Turn in the Word of God with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. A Psalm of David. The text will be verses 23 and 24. I mistakenly put 22 and 23 in the bulletin. 23 and 24, the last two verses of the chapter are the text. Pay close attention to those. Psalm 139, this is the word of the Lord. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. There ends our reading of God's holy and inspired word. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see from the outset of Psalm 139 that David is, has been edified by reflecting upon God, thinking upon God and how God knows His ways. He knows His downsitting and His uprising and His thoughts and His path 
and all of His ways. There's not a word in His tongue that God does not altogether know. David is comforted by the fact that God knows him and his way. And then he proceeds from there to say that he's comforted by the reality that no matter where he goes, if he goes up into heaven, if he makes his bed in hell or in the grave, God is there. He fills heaven and earth. If he takes the wings of the morning, speaking poetically, and as the dawn comes up, the sun rises, and those rays of light go shooting across the dark sea and illuminating the whole world out there, if he would ride those rays of light and speedily fly away from where he was, still God is there. Even in the darkness, the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Even when he thinks back in his life, his, the time of his life, and he goes back to the, when he was in his mother's womb, God was the one who was shaping him, making him fearfully and wonderfully so that he might praise him all of his days, even before he was made, when his, when his substance was yet being unperfect, still in the Lord's book. All his members were written when as yet there was none of them. These are precious thoughts that God has towards his children. Precious thoughts that God had towards David and that we are sure that God has towards ourselves. Have you thought on God and God's thoughts? Have you thought on his works? Have you considered his omniscience? His omnipresence? Have you considered His eternality and thought how small that makes you and then remembered that He was your God and thought on how safe that makes you? We have much comfort when we think on our God. It also makes us mindful in the second part of the psalm, that there are those who do not enjoy that comfort and that care. The wicked are not cared for. And no, they can't flee from God either. God will slay them. Surely He will slay them. And David is sure that he does not want to be numbered with them. That he doesn't want to be associated with those who hate God and take His name in vain. And so he makes that a part of his meditation too. That he might be set apart and that he might be sure that he is set apart from the world and from the wicked. He hates them. He's grieved with them. And he wants to be sure that for himself, there's nothing in him that is associated with these vain talkers and haters of Jehovah. And all of this together leads to this conclusion. Search me. Search me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. David, by this prayer, is making application of the God that he has meditated on. And of all, all of it has led him that he 
says that I must know this one thing, that my path that I live from my heart is right with God. So we make that our petition this evening too. Search me, O God. First, the request. Second, the purpose. And third, the confidence. So the request that we read in verses 23 and 24 has essentially four or five parts. Search me and know me. Then try me and know me, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me. There are several different requests and they're all related to each other and they're all essentially a prayer for an examination that God would conduct of our hearts and our lives. So let's look at some of those requested activities. First of all, David prays to God, search me. A search is a careful investigation that's aimed at discovering the truth of a matter. So that in Deuteronomy 13, the Israelites are commanded to do a diligent search and investigate if there are at times abominations being wrought in Israel. If there is a rumor that there are people making idols, if that's being reported, then go and search diligently and seek to discover the truth of the matter. Searching in other places in the Bible is the work of spies. They want to go into a city, the city of an enemy, and they want to discover the truth about that city. What are its strengths? What are the walls like? What are its fortifications like? What's their army like? What are the riches of this city? Is this a city that's worth attacking? How might we attack this city given we know the truth about this city? Searching in another sense is called in Proverbs the honor of kings. They are setting out to discover the truth of a matter. A judge makes a search of a case and he aims to make a judgment in accord with truth. David prays, O oh God, search me. Know the truth of me, my heart. Conduct an examination. Send thy servants within my heart to search me out so that thou, O oh God, dost know me as I am. David prays, search me. And we're going to make it our personal petition tonight too. So that every single one of us has tunnel vision and we won't turn to the left or to the right. But we're looking at God and asking God to look directly at us. David is interested, and you and I should be interested tonight in our own relationship to God. I pray that that is something that interests us. I take it by our attendance at a divine worship service in the house of God. We are, as households and as individuals, interested in our relationship to God. And that we know that God is the all-knowing one and the all-seeing one. Search me. Make a careful investigation of me. Try me. 
to try something is to test it. A testing complements a search because after you search a matter and you say, here is what I found. I found a little bit of this and I found a little bit of that. And then a test, if we are searching for gold and silver, a test will take the gold and perform something upon that gold, poking at it, prodding at it, prodding it, and seeing, is it pure gold? Let me test this, what I have found, and see if it's pure. Let me test this silver and see how much dross may be in it. So one wants, one, we may want God to try our hearts and our thoughts to see if they are genuine, to see if they are sincere, to see if they are pure, or if they are defiled with something. And the idea of a trial is that we want to be evaluated. We, we don't just want a, a bare-bones report of what makes up our hearts and our thoughts. We are interested in our hearts and thoughts being acceptable according to God's standard. So we pray, search me, try me, so that my heart and my thoughts will be in harmony with God's will for me. Search me and try me. And what's striking about the trying process when you think of silver and gold is that it's, it involves lots and lots of heat and fire, the fire of a furnace. You put that gold into the furnace and the only way to get rid of the dross of silver and gold is to burn it off. That's what we're asking for when we pray to God to try our thoughts. That the impurities that He will discover will be burned away and rooted out. So we're asking God to perform one of the most painful exercises that He possibly could perform upon us. To put us forth through the trying, cleansing, purging fire of His holiness. And that we might emerge pure and acceptable from it. Search me and try me. Both of those are related to the request that God would know us. Know my heart and know my thoughts. Searching and trying are aimed at knowledge. Knowledge is the possession of truth that has been discovered and that has been confirmed through searching and trying. David does not want to be hidden from the Lord. He does not want to cover up his heart. He doesn't want to hide his thoughts. He doesn't pretend. Christians, in general, should not think of themselves, we should not think of ourselves as hypocrites that operate on a high level. And that's sometimes the way that we naturally operate in the midst of people who can't see in our hearts. I just need to make sure that the people around me who can't see into my heart still think that I'm doing the right things and saying the right words. No, we want to open ourselves up unto the all-knowing God who already knows us perfectly, but we want that knowledge of us to profit us. This knowledge, search me and know me, search me and know my heart and my thoughts, God already knows us. David's interested, though, in his God and his friend performing this and knowing us for our benefit. God is the searcher of hearts. David wants 
or David rather willingly opens himself up to this divine examination and evaluation. He wants to be judged. He wants to be tried so that David might appropriately respond to this divine examination. Search me, try me, know me, and see. See if there be any wicked way in me. This can be understood as parallel to the searching and trying process. God's eyes are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God's eyes are even looking within us at our inner life. We are asking God to direct his attention to us and to look at us carefully and specifically that he would look for any wicked way, any evil inclinations in us. And the idea of seeing these wicked ways in us is that they be corrected and lead me in the way everlasting. Turn me, move me, direct me, spur me on in the way that is good and pleasing in thy sight. Search me, try me, know me, see in me any wickedness, and lead me. And in all of this, the area of concern is our inner life. Our inner life. There are times that we need our fellow man, our neighbors, our parents, our siblings, or our office bearers. There are times when we need people or organizations to investigate us, to try us. And Proverbs teaches us that this is something of great significance when someone comes and searches us out. It's something that should be done among us with great care. Proverbs teaches us that he that is first in his own cause seemeth to be just. So a man can do a search and he can search a man in a matter and say, this is what I found out. Guess what I found out? I found out this and that. And he seems to be just. He seems that he's made a sound conclusion based on what he's reporting. But then his neighbor comes and there's a new perspective and searches him out and then that's a shame to him and folly for him when he has been contradicted by another search. Well, that may be the way among men, and that requires wisdom to navigate that among men. But David's not asking for an outward examination. He wants to get to the heart of the matter. We should think about that when we conduct ourselves in the midst of the congregation and we open our homes up to our elders for family visitation and they want to get to know our family. And they want to get to know us as individuals. And we're very tempted to make sure that everything's right in the house and to make sure all the children are the way that we want them to appear. And we want to make sure as husband and wife that we present ourselves in a way that is good. And then we go, go into our, the privacy of our own rooms and we pray to God, search our hearts why are we so concerned? And what does that say about our hearts when we are so concerned with appearances? And how will we conduct ourselves differently if we begin 
by going to the God who sees all and knows all and ask Him to search our heart and correct everything within us that is astray. And then we can go out in our, among our brethren and among His servants and walk in our integrity. But it is no small matter to ask for God to conduct an examination of ourselves. He understands the truth of Jeremiah 17, verse 9, that the heart is deceitful. In fact, the verse says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The truth of that answer to that question is, no one but God. No one but God can know the deceitfulness and desperate wickedness of a heart. And that's why we must, do, we must not content ourselves with self-examination. And in our self-examination, we must rely upon God to lead us in our self-examination. That's why we must not be contenting ourselves with a good reputation which is what men can see of us and what men can know of us. The heart is deceitful above all things. Even a man or a woman with the best reputation has that deceitful and desperately wicked heart. Even the man that I am standing before you in my heart, a desperately wicked heart, God have mercy on me. And because we are so wicked, we can't examine ourselves and root out all wickedness as we ought. We're biased. We're deceivers. We can't even know the truth of our hearts because even in our best moments, we quickly cover up a little bit of wickedness because we don't want to see it and we don't want to acknowledge it. But God is able to see in our hearts. The next verse of Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah 17, verse 10, God even says that, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God is able to search out every matter. God is able to search out every heart. And He can search your heart. And He does. And He will when you ask Him to also. He does, and He's able according to His omniscience and according to His omnipresence and according to His power. He's highly exalted over us, and yet He is not far from us at any given moment. He does so by the Word. You know something about the Word from Hebrews chapter 4? The Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So in all of our praying to God, we ought to be thinking on God, and we'll be led in thinking on God from the Word, and the Word will pierce us, and it will divide soul and spirit, and bones and marrow, and it will discern our thoughts and our intents, and it will judge them, and it will try them in such a way that is profitable for us, even as it's sharp, 
and cuts this way and that way, and it's cutting away all that is evil and shaping us for what is good. Understand the magnitude of this request. Everyone who asks the righteous God, the all-knowing one, to search, uh, search him and try him will be awakened to errant thoughts, evil desires, wicked devices, That's what we want. Right? Do you want that? By the grace of God, do you want that? To know yourself like God knows you? Oh, it will... Humble us to the dust. We could not weep enough at all the sin we would discover us. In fact, once we hear the results of this examination and go through this trial, if we were in the Old Testament, we would be moved to go open up Leviticus 1 and say, I can't pray, search me, O God, without bringing a whole burnt offering. Because having been searched by God, I know that I'm wholly corrupt and defiled. I need to bring an offering of the flock or of the herd. Or maybe I can only afford an offering of a little turtle dove. But whatever I am able to bring, I need to bring something to the altar. Someone who can be my substitute and bear all my iniquity that's all the way through me and all the way deep inside of me. And I need this whole offering to be consumed by the fire of God's altar. I need someone to bear the judgment I deserve. And we who are in the New Testament, after we pray, search me, try me, see in me, know me, and we discover out of God's Word that we are wholly worthy of condemnation and that everything we do, even our best works, is tainted with sin, we must say, oh God, receive me not as I am. Receive me as I am covered in the blood of my substitute, my Savior, Jesus Christ. He who was burned for me. He who was consumed and defiled by me. And then receive me only as I'm tried by that awesome, blessed, cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. So that I'm pure. Receive me. For Jesus' sake. child of God who asks God to search him and try him is not a fool asking for trouble or walking into a condemnation. The child of God who makes this his request is a child who knows his father. He knows God as his father. And he knows the will of God and the work of Jesus Christ. For David it was promised. For us it's fulfilled. And we make this request by faith in Him, aiming to grow and desiring our relationship to God to be right. 
Those, that general purpose then can be expounded, the second point of the sermon. And remember that when David asks God to search him and try him and know him, it's, this is not for God's benefit. This is for David's benefit. God doesn't need to gain a knowledge of David or need David's request to know him. But we want to benefit from the knowledge that God has of us and the examination he performs upon us. The first purpose, there are three, three elements of this purpose that we can consider. The first that we can see out of the context of the psalm is that David is aiming by this request to confirm that he is sincerely walking with God. This is a very positive purpose. He's aiming to verify or confirm that David does not have a place or a portion with the wicked who hate God and whom God will slay. David is not afraid that when he is searched by God, that God will discover only evil continually. He will discover that we are wholly defiled by nature, but by the grace of God, David does walk a new and holy life. And that is evident in David's life. Not a sinless life, but a holy life by the grace of God. And it's evident by his confession. He hates them, O Lord, that hate thee with a perfect hatred. And yet David knows that perhaps he is deceiving himself. Is there some aspect of his life or his heart that is, has an affinity for the wicked and their ways? Has he, in the power that he has as king, allowed himself to turn a blind eye to some wickedness in his kingdom? Has he in some way propped up the exploits of the wicked or ignored the abuse or oppression of evildoers? Does he in some way have a portion with the neighbors that surround him rather than conquering them and bringing them in subjection unto God? He knows his heart is deceitful, but he desires confirmation. Thus he desires confirmation that he knows God, loves God, and follows God's commandments. God would even give this testimony to David for the generations to come as one king or another in David's line was brought up onto the throne of Judah. There were some who walked after the way of David, their father, and there were others who didn't. And to, for it to be said of one of those kings of Judah that they walked after the ways of David, their father, was to say, that this was a man of integrity and uprightness. David wants this confirmed not by men, but by God. In asking for confirmation of his way and his heart and his thoughts, David is not professing he has no sin. The rest of the text makes that clear. But what he is confident in and aims to have confirmed is that he is not a double-minded man. He's not a hypocrite. He's a man after God's own heart, by the grace of God in his heart. And this is true of us as God's children and as believers who are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, that we may pray the petition of verse 23 and 24 and ask God to search us and expect a positive affirmation. 
It's a wonder, but we may expect that. In fact, those who are truly hypocritical will not pray this prayer. They will be, they, unless they forget who God is, they will first confess that which they know to be their own deceit and sin. And then they will ask God to confirm the sincerity of that confession. Search me, try me. The second purpose, besides confirming that he is a godly, a man of godly resolve and life, is that David wants sin to be rooted out of him and exposed. So both of these go side by side. He wants his godliness and his godly resolve confirmed, so that he's, it's confirmed that he doesn't have a portion with the wicked. But on the other hand, he knows the deceitfulness of his heart and he desires it to, to root it out. This is evident from the fact that David prays that God to see if there be any wicked way in me. And David expects that. If you find that wicked way, lead me in the way everlasting. He desires, and he won't be surprised when God, the omniscient God, searches and tries him that he sees a wicked affinity for some wicked men or some wicked deed or some habitual besetting sin. And he desires that God would show him this. And when David prays this, these are not the sins that he's already aware of. He wants God to show him the sins that even he cannot see. Secret sins. You and I are deceitful in our hearts, and so there are sins that we hide. Especially in seasons of weakness, we hide them, and we must repent of them. And then there are sins that may beset us that we must repent of over and over again. And then we must turn away from them fully and wholly. And then there are sins that we cannot even recognize. We don't see how often and how greatly pride affects us. We don't see how we have an inclination to gossip and slander. We don't always see how we sometimes are given over to these Wicked, impure, immoral thoughts and ways. And our neighbors can't always see it. Sometimes they see it before us, but sometimes nobody sees it, not even ourselves. And as those who are regenerated, we have a desire to be pure. We have an understanding by that grace that we are not as we ought yet to be. And we're men and women of integrity struggling against the sinful inclinations of the flesh. And we want these hidden sins to be rooted out. We want the Word of God and the Spirit of God to come and pierce us, divide us, discern the intents of our hearts so that God knows us as we truly are. David aims at growing in his understanding of his own sinfulness. Do you want that?
will not be a pleasant thing. In the moment that we pray this, when God, and then when God answers and shows us out of His Word that we are far more sinful than we ever thought. But it will be a profitable thing. then we will flee again to the cross of Jesus Christ and pray fervently for those mercies that are renewed every morning. Even after we pray this, with the purpose of rooting out sin, even after God answers us and we grow in our knowledge of ourselves and our sin, we have to do it again the next day. Even after we conduct self-examination in one month and then two or three months later, we have to do it again. We find more sin. We find more guilt. We find more corruption. Because our heart is so deceitful And so we long for the perfection of this searching and trying which will come and be given to us in the day of the Lord at the final judgment. He'll see us, He'll know us, He'll search us, He'll try us, and He'll open the books and He'll show us everything. And we'll make one confession. Praise be to the Lamb who covered all my iniquity and fulfilled the whole law from the heart in my stead, whose righteousness is mine, and who gave me a place in the family of God. And knowing that that's coming, God today, right now, in this moment, search us and try us so that while we are here in the land of the living, we may no longer harbor sin within us, but put it off and turn away lead a new holy life. But that's the third aspect of this purpose, which is that David desires the leading of God and the way everlasting. He has his eyes on eternity. And he understands that eternity as the end of our life is along a path in this life. Lead me in the way everlasting is not just to say, God, there's an end out there. It's life everlasting. And I'm going to go this way and that way and another way. And I'll go whatever way I want or whatever way my own spirit leads. But make sure I end up over there. That's not the prayer. That's not a sincere prayer. That's a double-minded prayer. We want God to lead us now, today, morning, afternoon, and night whether we are awake or whether we sleep, whether we eat or whether we drink, whether we work or whether we play, we desire to be led by the Spirit in the way everlasting. This is David's final request, and really everything has been leading here. The searching, the trying, the seeing in him, everything is aimed at redirection. Everything's aimed at correction and following after this one goal. Search me. Know me, God. So that I can go according to what I know about myself in the way everlasting. 
Try me. Test me. Make sure that if you see anything wicked in me, that you purge it out so that I can go in the way everlasting and then lead me. I know I'm not inclined to that way. Show me. I'm blind to it. I'm powerless to follow it. Show me it and guide me in it. When we ask God for these things, we understand that this is going to lead us to repentance. When we pray, lead me in the way everlasting, lead me a sinner in the way everlasting, we're praying to God, lead me to repent of my sins in a life of daily conversion over and over again from the depths of my heart. Lead me to repent constantly going away from my sinful inclination and unto thee. And David is confident as he makes this his petition. He's confident on many levels. He's confident that God is pleased with this request because to ask God, who is unsearchable, to search us, who can't even know ourselves, is to give praise to God. God is able to do something that I am not. I can't even know myself as God knows me. And so we're praising Him. He is able. He is a glorious God. He knows my downsitting and my uprising. He knows my thoughts. He knows the words on my tongues, all my ways. That knowledge is too wonderful for me. We give him praise when we acknowledge what he is able to do. David is confident and he prays this petition that God is willing to do it. God is under no obligation to search us in such a way that profits us. God's under no obligation to try us and make us pure in our thoughts. God's under no obligation to examine us and to lead us to an eternal inheritance. But David is confident that God is willing to do that. David is confident as he cleaves to God as his God. And as he cleaves to the promised Messiah who was yet coming. And who is pictured in those sacrifices. David understood exactly what God would find because of those sacrifices. He would find something wholly defiled. And only approved by God's grace. David was confident finally because he understood God as the covenant God. In verse 1, we read, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. And in verse 23, we read, Search me, O God. So in the last verses, he's looking to God who is great, greatly to be praised, and who is able to do all things he is pleased to do. He wants to appeal to the highest judge, the all-knowing one, so that he might be confirmed in his way, purged of his sin, and led in the way everlasting. And he's confident that this is all going to be for his good. Because this God, this great God, is... I am that I am, Jehovah, who changes not, whose word is sure, whose covenant he will not break, 
And that that covenant is secured by Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. David's confidence is the one that searches him and tries him and looks into his heart that this examination will be done in love. We understand this in a small way with our dear spouses, siblings, and friends. Who among men do you trust? And you go to them. And at times you say to them, I need your help. I'm going to share something that I've been experiencing, something that I have been accused of. I'm going to share some weakness that I have been awoken to, and I want you to help me understand, am I in the wrong? Please, search me. Help me. And you trust that that friend, your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister is going to speak honestly and bear with you patiently and lovingly. How much more the God who gave His Son in love to die for us. Great God. All-knowing, all-seeing God. Search my heart. And according to our flesh, we take a deep breath and we begin, our heart begins to beat because we know He's going to see sin within us. How can we open ourselves up to the all-seeing holy God? He's going to see sin in us. We cover our faces and did we really say that? Did we really ask for that? But our heart rests. Search me, O God. Try me and see in me even the wicked ways in me. And do this in love as thou dost do all things so that I might be led thereby in the way everlasting. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, search us. And know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. We know our heart is deceitful and wicked, desperately so. But we will, are not willing to go along with the inclinations of our flesh. We understand we have been delivered by the cross of Jesus Christ and covered by His blood. So let our new way be the way of our delight and let our heart and our thoughts be pure and holy according to the operation of Thy Spirit. And then grant that we might all be pure as Thou art pure in the day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. At the last trump, what a day that will be when we will be searched, known, and pronounced before the whole world to be pure and blameless before Thee. Amen.